As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, this is Craig Custance of The Athletic, joined with my good friend and colleague, Sean Gentili, for the Tuesday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show, and what a show we have for you today. Sean, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Uh, had it had another late night last night. I think there were... I, let me know if I, if I lost count of this. I think there were 12 yeah. or 13 overtimes in the games last night, including, including the one I covered. So it, it was a... Oof. It was a it was a late one. Yeah, we're, we are pumping coffee this morning, and so let, let's let's not even uh, mess around and get into really light years most important game. I mean, there's been so many good games, but one to me uh, it, it stood out like uh, like a sore thumb. And of course, I mean the United States uh, beating Canada five one in the world. So let's let's start there. 26 saves from Jake Ottinger, uh, Trevor Moore, the player of the game. How, where would you rank this in American wins, Sean? It's a great question, Craig. I have it at number seven <laughs> over the last 25 years. My big board will be going up later this day. Oh, you have a big board? Oh, yeah. You, you, okay. Gonna, pe- people are going to love it. They're going to go crazy. Wait till you see what's at number 17. People are going to get upset. <laughs> this now brings the U.S. If you're tracking and following the world, which I am, of course, is now one. <laughs> I, love, I love the world. Oh, oh, and one. In the World Championships preliminary round, which lasts three months, a lot of people don't know that about the world's preliminary rounds. I think you might actually have the the top fifty world games of of the last of like the twenty first century. I'm pretty sure it'd be a combo. It's, it's between you and Chris Johnston. I, I I think you guys, I think you guys have to have some kind of <laughs> oh, some kind of we, some kind of mental mental ranking ranking going. 
you know what? It, like, so that's just passed on from Pierre. Not to get off track immediately, but Le, LeBron always would say, "You got to go to the worlds. You got to go to the worlds. It's great." And Chris and I are, you know, we listened to him and did it and love it. And um, but, but even this year's like it's really hard. At least some years, it's there's some good things. I will say this, and we'll move on to the playoffs. Um, Jason Robertson again was good in that game. And I would go read a piece by Saad Yusuf. We should have him on. Like the year Robertson had, and now he's continuing it for the the national team. If you're a Stars fan, like that's, you know, you probably don't care about the playoffs. That at least gives you something fun to watch. I think there was like that two or three week period where it felt like Robertson was making a legitimate call to run. And it didn't, like he's not, he's not, he's not going to win it. It's, it's Kaprizov's, you know, to lose. We, we, we shouldn't pretend otherwise, but there was that stretch where Robertson was making was making a a, legi- a legitimate a legitimate push. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a he's a good player and he's a major bright spot for the Stars. And what was such a bizarre season for them, man? That was just it was. Uh, they're a fa- they're a fascinating team, but there was some. It was it was just a really uneven, unlucky, unlucky kind of deal for them. But I think Robertson is you know. The uh, the uh, the unquestioned bright spot coming out of it for him. Um, let's start with the game that you were covering: the Penguins Islanders. The Islanders have now taken a three-two lead. Barry Trotz with the Penguins kryptonite. Um, I, we can't be we can't say we're surprised about the Islanders ever, right? Like at this point, like this is this is what they do uh, in the Lou Lamarillo Barry Trotz era. But holy cow, what's going on in that series, Sean? Tristan Jari turning into a pumpkin. I think. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's what it is. He single handedly lost two games. Game one was yeah. you know four bad goals on you know four bad glove side goals, and last night was you know at, at one point shots were forty five to twenty four Penguins or whatever it was. That was pretty pretty much all out domination, including largely in the third period. By the way, which is which had been something we hadn't seen over the course of this. It was like. You get two good. You get two good periods from the Penguins, then one great one from the Islanders to to kind of to kind of close stuff out. That would you know either either tip the game or cause Pittsburgh to kind of white knuckle it. But yeah, it's a it was a it was a brutal effort by Jari, just a a, a, ter- a terrible giveaway, and then just a, a a weird effort on on the shot he created. So yeah, it's um. It's a situation where Pittsburgh's been been the better team at five on five. They've been they've they've been the better team overall, but goalie play counts too. And and Ilya Sorokin, it's kind of a big deal in the playoffs. I, so I so I've heard. And 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 Ilya, and Ilya Sorokin is a lot better than Tristan Jari. The gap the gap is significant, and and that's what the difference in that game was last night. Uh, I like it's. We don't have to overanalyze the Penguins just yet because there's still some series uh, to be yeah, played. Yeah, and, and God knows, God knows, I'm gonna I am. About to have you more will be than doing more that. than enough of that ahead of me, but like I, I think they handled the Matt Murray situation perfectly. You don't want to. I don't think anyone in Ottawa is sitting here saying they made the right call right. trading for him, giving him that big contract. But the bet on Jari that's it, it, it now is a huge gamble, and with only the you know last few years of the Crosby Malkin dynasty on the line. And gosh, I just hate to see it. If that's how it's ending, because. You made the wrong bet on a goalie. 
That's rough. They've had a lot tied up in him over the last eight years. Yeah. You look at you look at how they drafted him. They traded, you know, I mean, granted, this is eight years ago or nine years ago or whatever it is, but they traded Tyler Kennedy for a second round pick and then mm-hmm. used the second and the third to trade farther up into the second to draft Tristan Jari and on and on and on. You go back. I mean, they have a lot of. You know, granted, this is this is this is the last administration. This isn't this isn't Ron yeah. Hextall who's tied to Tristan Jari, right? But there 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 have been a lot of assets and a lot of a lot of uh, a, a lot of different branch points where they've chosen chosen Tristan Jari over over somebody else. And right now, it is it is not paying off. Well, I love goalie stuff, and mm-hmm. and the, like the, this off season, and we may if we have time, we can even get to it because there's going to be a lot of carousel in that, and, oh, yeah. and it's really relevant to some of these teams we're talking about. But this Florida series that I was, I just left from, uh, came back from Tampa over the weekend, uh, way late for Spencer Knight's arrival. I mean, we, you and I would have started him game uh, one, buddy, of course. Buddy, you you <laughs> you missed it. I thought I thought you were going to be down there for the inevitable rise of Spencer Knight. He should have been the game one starter in that series. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. I, I, it's great. Gives, a, gives up a goal in the first shot he sees. But when you're American hero Spencer Knight, this is, by the way, we got Jack Campbell was the original Spencer Knight with a, Absolutely. Had a day yesterday. Connor Hallebuck, you know, advancing. It's it, the American goalies. Um, what a performance. And we, we've seen like every, every tier of the generations, right? Mm-hmm. You know, minus the old guys. Uh, so uh, it's, <laughs> it was a fun, it, w- it was a fun three days for Craig Anderson too. He counts. That's right. Craig Anderson <laughs> had his moment. That's right. That's right. Um, so Spencer Knight saves the, like, I, I still don't feel, I mean, may, anything can happen, right? If they can get that to a game seven, like Tampa's the better team, but Florida is, is showing a lot. I, you know, you, you admire what they're doing, but now this is kind of just, there was a, I don't know, there was a wild card in the equation. What if you just have this kid who's a superstar? You should have. They they should have seen it coming. This was this was inevitable. The only the only question was which game it was going to happen in. And un, <laughs> un, un, unfortunately, it was not game one. On some level, this is the um, best case scenario for the Panthers in solving the Bobrovsky situation. Yeah. Because you can't buy him out yet, I don't think. No. I mean, maybe you can, but it's such a monstrous contract Man, and such a huge cap. I can't, I can't remember who's – was that you who wrote that originally? It was somebody who was just talking about how, how this does kind of line up perfectly because whether it's a mm-hmm. – because you can't, you can't move Bob. You can't buy him out. You, you can kind of have a timeshare situation or whatever between him and Spencer Knight over, over, the, next, over the next few years. And by the time Bob's deal ends, you know – I, ideally, that's when, you know. But I mean, I'm I'm sure for the last three years of it, it, he will have been a legitimate backup to Spencer Knight. And I'm sure that's the way. I'm sure that's the way this the succession plan would go. But yeah, it does. It does. It seems next like year. totally. It seems it seems like that's the way. It's a lot easier to bench Sergei Bobrovsky in that in that gigantic, ridiculous contract when you're when you're putting him behind a guy like Spencer Knight. You can't kind of mm-hmm. you can't. You can't get away with it when it's Chris Drieger or or or, or, right. or whoever. When you have the blue chip dude, especially when he comes in and maybe maybe has one or two or three or twelve great playoff games in a row, <laughs> you could. What if he just goes on a run I, right now and he's like, I, you know, I think it's going to happen. I think. Oh, you do. You're caught. You're predicting this. I'm pre- I think this is. I'm, I think. I'm predi- lightning win game. I'm predicting. No, 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 no. Not just that. I'm predicting a Florida Panthers Stanley Cup 
on the on on the on the shoulders of 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 spencer knight no i it it is it's it is it is a weird you know if you're talking about the bob kind of succession plan i i think that's i think that i think this is a best case scenario you know if if knight plays Mm -hmm. well it sets him up well for next season and it removes a lot of those questions it, like this isn't the way you want to do it, but if you're just stepping back and you're doing cap management and you say, okay, how much do you want to spend in goaltending? Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, eleven million, whatever, whatever Bob plus an entry level is, mm-hmm. and you know, if you can just get over the fact that ten million is going to your back. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it an equitable split between your goaltenders? It is. It is not. But but you can survive. We've seen teams spend way more than that. Um, that's like that's like the kind of math you start doing if you're at like if you're at like a poker table or something and and, and you start like like spreading it out over over a couple days and you're like well if you know I I didn't I didn't I didn't lose that much yesterday so it's kind of like I just it's kind of like I lost X on both days I mean that's yeah, that's basically I I lost an average of 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 whatever <laughs> over the over the course of a week and it's really not that bad. The fun thing about the Panthers is I know there were people that who believed that if Askarov had slipped to Florida, mm-hmm. they were going best player available and taking him, which would <laughs> like would have been, I mean, who knows? It's all revisionist history or what if. But I love that scenario where you have where you just spent ten million on a goalie and then you just draft every great goalie available because you're you really truly believe in best player available in the draft. Yeah, but um, the the flip side of that is is Pittsburgh who who draft who drafted Tristan Jari in one round and Matt Murray in in, in the in the yeah. other one year they they drafted two goalies last year. Not to turn this into like a, a Penguins goalie podcast, but like. When you sometimes if you, if you if if you stack the system and you and you and you consistently have two goalies, yeah, you, you have you have none. It's like the old the old quarterback saying. So yeah, I don't know. I'm oh. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, be, of best player available in sports just generally, but I think I think goalies goalies also kind of it's kind of it's kind of funky. I know we I know we like to stick to the American teams and have an American theme, but. Connor McDavid getting swept is too huge of a story to ignore in the in the hockey world, um, and we can Americanify it by saying it was Kyle Connor who scores, you know, the, the winner, and Connor Hellebuck advancing um, our sneaky American Winnipeg Jets with Blake Wheeler leading the charge. Oh, what man. is We're, what is Winnipeg if not if not Northern Minnesota, <laughs> baby? That's it, That's Minnesota cool. North. We, that's right. We'll take Minnesota North. I, we, I think we should just adopt of all, the, of all the Canadian teams. Although, if if we were to do, do a ranking of some sort, um, I mean, you've got Cole Caulfield in Montreal, and mm-hmm. making, you know he's playing. You've got uh, Austin Matthews and Jack Campbell leading the way. Very heavy American influence on those Canadian teams. But um, Connor McDavid swept out of the first round. I know you've got some thoughts, Sean, on Connor and and. Maybe what we're what we're seeing in in his best years of his life it's 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 not great for anybody. This no, this it's I don't think. Besides the Jets, it's great for the Jets. No, it's fine. It's 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 really not that big of a deal. That's what Ken Holland told me. Right? You can't you can't you can't you can't try to win a Stanley Cup every year. That's just that's crazy talk. I don't think he said he was not trying to win a Stanley I, Cup I, every dude, year. I, he was saying you can't push in at the deadline every yeah, year. Yeah, you you don't. That makes sense if if you don't have Connor McDavid. <laughs> if you're talking about the the back nine for Henrik Zetterberg and, and and whoever else, the kind of the kind of teams that 
Ken Holland had at the end in Detroit, and also, by the way, pushed all in on for like with 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 some regularity there when they didn't have the goods that, that Connor McDavid does. Yes, you can. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that the Penguins have gotten right. You have a borderline moral imperative to try to make mm. the best of these guys' years while you can. They and they and they have the hard stuff figured out in Edmonton. That's yeah. that's the frustrating part, yeah. right? They're not talking about going out and finding a number one or a number one defenseman or or whatever. Add depth pieces, try to shore up the goaltending, and try because you have Connor McDavid and you have Leon Dreisaitl, and they're twenty four and twenty five <laughs> years old. Like, get yeah. a grip. You are not talking about some forty one and forty one team that doesn't have a top six center. It's psychotic. And we're being cheated out of great years by by those guys and and, and potentially great playoff runs. Just uh just because what? Because they didn't they didn't feel like dumping a third round pick for for a half decent depth forward? It's a joke. Do we think that was going to make a difference? I mean, I guess you could argue when every single game in the series goes to overtime, had you – and I'm trying to think of who the, you know, depth forward they could have added or whatever this would have is, been. But, but this is this is not, you know, okay, Nashville didn't do anything at the deadline. They they, they went out and, add Eric, and added Eric Goodbranson. Like, yeah. okay, that's fine. You're the – but you're the Nashville Predators. And no, and, and no disrespect to Philip Forsberg, but when your best forward is Philip Forsberg, how dare you? You know where I, I stand. On I, Forsberg. We all, and, oh, yeah, I do know where you stand on Philip Forsberg because we overpay for him in our fantasy draft every single year. Yes, Craig loves Philip Forsberg. Like, but but that but that group of players is just is just not like what they have in 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 Edmonton. That's just that's just the way it is. Like when when you have when you have a talent like that. Especially when he's midway through this, so he we blinks and we're talking about him having five years left on his deal. Like this doesn't, this doesn't, this doesn't come around that often. So do something. Don't make Dmitry Kulikov your your big deadline deal. I'm sorry. <sighs> I I hear you. It, it, it is interesting. I like the Penguins comparison because I guess the thought is you never um, if you if you're pushing all in every year, you never can have you know assets and young players and somehow the penguins continue to have they've been doing it since they traded for marion hosa back in the mm. 90s like yeah. they've been they've been pushing back, in back in for, 1996 hosa and dupuis like was there every year they took the foot off the gas probably like they no. never did no and it's and, and, and you know they had to augment stuff in other ways that's you saw them go pretty pretty heavily into you know the the college free agent round yeah. and, and whatever and they got and they got lucky <laughs> you know so yeah. i so i i'm and i'm i'm really i'm not an advocate of just trading first round picks just because but you know not every team has connor mcdavid it's it it really it really is that simple like there's there's uh if if you're a borderline eighth or ninth seed in in the playoffs, and and all you're doing is potentially taking yourself out of the draft lottery. Like, yeah, hold tight, keep keep those cards, don't move right. anything. But when you're when you're talking about McDavid and Drysaddle, and all, and oh by the way, a defense that that uh that seems to have finally gotten gotten fixed in one way or another, add some stuff around the margins. Make make the attempt. 
How much did Darnell Nurse play this? Do we have his final ice time? Darnell Nurse yeah. did he play I'm, like? I'm, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. He actually played 82 oh minutes. What a what a what a wow, game! What a performance what a, on Darnell Nurse! What a game by Darnell Nurse! Oh my gosh! All right, let's let's touch on the other series. So mm-hmm. Minnesota, the, the plucky Wild somehow extends that series. I don't know. That's your. I, I feel like Vegas is gonna. Nature is gonna have its way there. Were you surprised to see that to see that get extended today? I I thought that yes, was. I, yeah. I, I thought they were. Yeah. I thought they were a cook last night. Yeah. So I think that's. I think uh, my my Vegas Golden Knights, my Stanley Cup pick, my champion. We're, we are on a collision course with the best with, with a Colorado Vegas second round, which is gonna be amazing. Not to get ahead of ourselves. How much? But. Okay, so I'm fine. I'm, I think I'm fine with that being in the second round. I, I know there's people who who were wound up over that not being a, a conference a conference final, but I like the idea of like I, I don't really have that much of a problem with with, with that happening. Nashville, Carolina, somehow tied two two. I love these series that you 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 look away for a second because it was one of those. It's like oh, Carolina's going to run away with that. Yeah. Um, UC Saros, baby. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not to oversimplify. Here's what I would say about the Predators. Um, I think people have gotten them wrong. And maybe it is UC Saros. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that simple. Uh, when I talk to people in hockey about the Predators, they're like, eh, don't love the makeup of that team. Like, there's, a, you know, a couple of the guys, there's always this kind of underlying, like, don't love this guy, good player, but don't love the way he can, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's they, they've collected some players that people don't love. You're laughing. Yeah, I'm just... It's just it's talking about, right? like I'm, I'm, la- I'm laughing. Well, you know, right? It's 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 you know. I like Matt Duchesne, but I don't love him as a whatever. I Ryan, I like Ryan Johansson. I don't love him at whatever. Like the the contracts always factor. There's always this, uh, except for like Yossi and and Ekblad. Everyone's like, oh, of course, those guys are great. But there's always this feeling of like like there's um yeah they they don't want to compete or I don't know not like in general as a as a core and. All we've seen out of the Predators is them get eliminated from the playoffs, almost, or whatever, about to dump, and they've battled back, and now they've battled back in the series. Maybe we should say, you know, Nashville is is maybe has a little bit more fight than we want to give them credit for. I I think that's part of it, but I, I think in a way it's it's this series, you know, I and I, I don't want to be reductive about it. I, I know I just say, yeah. you know, UC Saros is, you know, like like that's the beginning and the end of the reasons. But I, I do think I do think that's that's the top line thing, and he, even in that, even in one of those games that he lost, you know, he's uh, he's he was make he was making it tough for Carolina, if if nothing else. So yeah, I think that's. I'm just glad to. I'm glad to have that series. Honestly, I I think that turning into like a a, a low a low key, pretty solid first round series was sort of was uh, that's a that's a welcome thing. It was it's good to have some of these some of these four seeds that people were kind of writing off. You know, if not have outright control control of this, just giving us giving us something else to watch. So yeah, I I, yeah. I appreciate all of it. It's been great. Like yeah, every night, been. there's a bunch of great games. They've they're finally staggering. I feel like we have some times that work for us to actually enjoy <laughs> the games. And not, yeah, and, and not uh, have ten intermissions on at the same time. I it only took uh, eighteen years of NBC Sports for them to for them to finally fi- figure out that you don't need every game starting at seven or or, or seven thirty or eight. And now we lose them. NBC, it was it was great. We, we figured it out and yeah, on on to ESPN. Well, uh, well, our- well, bye. <laughs> Um, all right, we've got a great interview with Don Granado. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was so much fun. I, I don't even know. I don't know how much of the pre-roll we're allowed to use, or if we're going to use any of it. I wish we recorded the whole like 
we, we should honestly, when we flip the switch on our, the Zoom, when whoever the guest arrives, we should just start recording. Like, forget the the fancy intros because that ends up being. He was so enthralled, Sean, by the, mm-hmm. your trashed room. Mm-hmm. Um, like right away, like this was not like hi. It's nice to see you. No, he doesn't. Was, he also doesn't know me from. A man on the street, right? That's like what I, made I'd it literally, great, right? I'd literally never spoken to Don Granado before, and I sat down. And all of a sudden, it was like I was, I was on a Zoom with like one of my uncles who was like busting my chops <laughs> for having a <laughs> like right away having a messy room. It was immediately. He was like, I, I think I, I think I have that effect on people. people like, like I just, I just got one of those faces. People look at me and they're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going in on this dude. But it was well, it, it was great. It was great. If you had that face and like drawers pushed in as you do now, it would have been, yeah, I don't think, but like <laughs> you don't help yourself by like recording your interview in a completely trashed room. And then you tweet about it. And so now it's getting passed around in the company Slack room. People are like, is Sean okay? Do we need to check in on Sean? Yeah. Do we need to do, we need to do a wellness check? Because he had two of his drawers and in, in a, in, in a visible dresser opened up. Here, here is my problem was that last week, Ryan Miller uh, talked to us over the phone. Um, mm-hmm. yesterday, Don Granado talked to us over his iPad. I don't care what you think of the condition of my bedroom. I'm not, I'm not worried if, if Craig, if Craig Custins can, you know, see, see in my, see in my, uh, my gym, my gym shorts door or drawer or, or, or whatever. Your opinion doesn't matter to me. I, I had, I had, I had no idea that, uh, that Don was going to be on the iPad. So it, it was, it was, a. Uh, it was it was a funny way to start it, and it was all all totally to, totally good hearted, just chops busting stuff from him. And after after it all, we ended up having a really nice talk with him about you know his future and the job he did with the Sabers and the job he's done in in the past with the with with, with the developmental team and, and Austin Matthews. So yeah, it was a it was it was it was a really good talk, and it it started out in a, in about the the funnest way possible. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I am now thrilled to introduce uh, Don Granado, fantastic coach, great year with the Buffalo Sabres in terms of what they were able to inco- accomplish in his tenure. But really, um, I'm most excited because we've just spent the last 20 minutes critiquing Sean Gentile's backdrop in his dresser drawers. And now I see, Don, how your ability to articulate what someone needs to do to get better, I, I think now we've seen it in action. Push, push the drawers in. What a, what a, what, what a professional segue that was. From it Greg. was so my easy. God. Don's big advice. Don's big advice is to push in my drawers. It was so, it was so easy. I would love to get a picture of that out, and I would love to create a backdrop of that. I think that would be an outstanding backdrop. Have a very neat and tidy room, but put a backdrop of Sean's room in there. That's right. Everyone's new Zoom background is Sean Gentile's bedroom with drawers <laughs> and clothes everywhere. Next Zoom interview you do, we'll, we'll have a University of Pittsburgh banner, very, very like inauspiciously in the back, and an unmade bed. <laughs> I'm guessing you're single, Sean. <laughs> you betcha. What what could have given you that idea, Don? It's it's it's, it's very oh, astute. Oh my of you. goodness. 
Uh, well, Don, thanks for doing this. First of all, um, we were, we were excited that you were uh, willing to do it, and and Sean and I had a conversation earlier today, and we were just talking over a few things and in terms of what we want to dive into. And I think first and foremost, when we were when we both were reading some of the exit interviews from the players in Buffalo, it was it was really interesting to me. And one from like there was some quotes from Casey Middlestead that really jumped out that basically said, "I owe Donnie a huge thank you." Like there was a lot of like. We we owe Donnie a lot for what happened. When you hear that, that the impact you you've been able to make with, especially with those that younger generation of savers, you know what what did that mean to you? That means boy, that means quite a lot as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I guess a simple thing to say that means everything. Um, it's what you because as a coach, one thing you don't it, you don't get to feel. Um, or the players don't get to feel how much you care about them. Uh, you are, you know, you play that father role in the position we are in as coaches. Uh, we have to push them and demand of them uh, every day for more and to be better and to become, you know, what their potential is and chip away at that. Uh, so you're the one person that kind of holds that uh, position that, you know, pushes each and every player. So lost in that, a lot of times is on the player's side, they don't feel how much you may care about them. Uh, and, and that over the years, you know, I've had lots of players now, young kids that are in the NHL, and that's the hardest part. You know, they leave and they're, it's almost like in the back of their head, they're wondering, does this guy like me or not? You know, because you, you end up pushing them so hard. And, you know, it's like the end of the school year when you see them off, you, you, you want to give them a big hug and tell them thanks, but, but they're not, it's like they're not in that. You know, that, that's that's tougher for them than it is for you as a coach because you know the reasons you've done it. Sometimes the player loses that uh, in, in the competitive fire of the moment and in, in business we're in. So when you hear uh, some of the things that Casey had said, you know, that you're re- referencing there, Craig, uh, it's very rewarding as a coach uh, because I did push Casey. I did demand a lot of him, um, and it was always on the outer edge of his comfort zone, and he responded and, mm. uh, you know, to, to add to the fact that he realizes I care about him is even a bonus, is a big bonus, actually. And it wasn't, I mean, obviously you have that history with Casey, you have history with, with a fair amount of guys on, the, on that roster, but it wasn't just them. I mean, it was, it was, it's a guy like Kyle Ocposo who, you know, hadn't, hadn't played, hadn't played for you before. And he's, he's a guy who's been there and done that. He's 33. He's been in the league for a long time. And he said that this was the most fun he, he had playing in the NHL, which is, <laughs> I mean, coming from a coming from a veteran who's 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 kind of made his bones and doesn't have and isn't in that development phase of his career like 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 a guy like Casey is. I mean, that's another that was another kind of standout I think from some of the exit interviews that I saw at least. Yeah, that was uh, also you know uh, a credit to Kyle. I mean, he he was spectacular, and mm-hmm. and we had a lot of veteran players that were great. Specifically to me, uh, Ristolainen was outstanding. Reinhardt was outstanding. Uh, Eric Stahl just before we traded him was great to, to me. Uh, so was Taylor Hall. And, you know, I, I took over in difficult circumstances and I really, um, made a concentrated effort to lean on those guys, uh, to, to, you know, enlist them to work, uh, you know, in concert with, with me and our coaching staff. And then the other component, you know, involved in all of this that you didn't hear, or, you know, you didn't mention it. Um, Kyle might not have mentioned, but, but was felt was the, the whole staff. Um, I've coached a long time and was very, 
you know, there were aspects of, of moving into this position I was uncomfortable with, uh, but I was very comfortable with, and it, and it held water, it was very true, was the competence of the people around me uh, on our staff. Um, Matt Ellis, Dan Girardi were unbelievable. Um, our goalie coach, Mike Bales, is more than a goalie coach. He's a competitive guy that has a real good sense and feel for things, just like the other two guys I mentioned. Uh, and then we have two video guys, as most NHL staffs do, and, and they're they're at the top of the chart. There, they they uh, were dialed in right away with any system changes we needed to make. Could could communicate it well. Could pick it out. You know, help us even in between periods uh, on stuff. So um, I've been around long enough to know I was in a really good position, uh, inheriting those guys, and and um, their competence really helped out in this matter. I got to meet uh, Matt Ellis and know him a little bit at one of Daryl Belfry's sessions in in Florida, and it was uh, what a great dude and smart. Like it was just it's <laughs> yeah. fun to like sit there and watch those guys in action breaking film down and then instructing on the ice. He is. Yeah, he's well. If you if you met him, you know he is passionate yeah. guy, and and just has a love, a pure love of the sport of hockey. He's just into it. Uh, he's spoken of going down uh, with with Daryl mm-hmm. and uh, being around those players. He's referenced that a couple times in our conversations over the last couple months, and you can just see the you know the excitement light up in his eyes and the energy. Um, yeah, so so he, he's a lot of fun to be around with, and Danny Girardi very similar yeah. in, in that regard. I wanted to get a little bit into the process, and, and I think Casey's a great way to do it um, and kind of hone in because, you know, here's a guy that that maybe is underachieving or a lot of pressure on him as a young player, and he says, and you said, you, you challenged him, and you pushed him outside his comfort zone. Um, can you can you shed a little bit of light or like lift the curtain a little bit to show what that looks like in, in specifics to, to Casey? Well, yeah, I, I would say I'll, I'll start general. You know, to to start, um, there there are certain things that the players that players do well. Their skill set is, um, you know, a player has to identify with his skill set, and then you have to, in my opinion, you have to help them um, with you know, imprinting that skill set on the game or situations within the game. Um, you also have to work and say, okay, what might be his liabilities or limits present day? You know, is it size and strength? Is it speed right now? Uh, is he is he playing with an injury and speed, it's speed because of an injury? So, you know, you're working in the context of all of that. And the goal would be obviously to win hockey games uh, and win situations, um, but to make sure that guy feels good about what he's doing. Uh, and can reach the challenge you're putting in front of them. Um, and you have to supplement that with, with uh, video evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to s- uh, support that with, um, you know, maybe uh, the video pre-scout, maybe uh, practice, um, you know, or meetings. But so, so really there's a lot that goes into it, uh, but you can't lose the balance of it. Right. Um, because as a coach, you know, I'm putting this demand on a player um, but it's only as good uh, and it only be as strong and, and uh, successful as he can answer the demand of the player he's lining up against. Mm. And, and, and I believe you have to take that into consideration when you're pushing a player. You could push a, uh, you know, I can push Sammy Reinhardt as an experienced player a little differently than I could push uh, maybe a player without as much experience. Uh, I can push a guy with more size and strength in a different manner than I could push a guy with less size and strength, you know. So you're always. Uh, looking at that with Casey <clears throat> back to Casey uh, it was you know the more I was around him and the more I worked with him <clears throat> the more 
he's such a nice guy, like so many guys in hockey are and respectful. Um, and he, and he proved that. And I wanted to move him past the point of being respectful mm. and get him to the point where, you know, here's where you need to be respectful when you're off the ice, but when the puck drops, don't worry about being respectful. Make sure that that competitive fire you have in you comes to the forefront. Cause I see that competitive fire, but it, it because he's so respectful of veteran players and the organization itself and of the National Hockey League and being in the National Hockey League, a lot of times these guys wait for their opportunity <clears throat> and they take a back seat along the process of, of uh, moving up the lineup. And so you can, as a, as a coach, you can speed that along by working with them in, in the areas I mentioned uh, and, and really, you know, getting them to understand you know, there's, there's a couple of different scenarios here. One is when you're off the ice and, and, you know, it's okay to be respectful and, uh, um, and, and loyal and those things. But when that puck drops, your competitive fire has to come to the forefront. And that's the one thing that Casey, uh, did incredibly well. He, he became an instant leader because his intensity came to the forefront at a level that I don't think anybody saw I think he would have saw it at the University of Minnesota or where he played his amateur hockey as he was a leader of those teams, but not here in Buffalo or not here in the NHL mm-hmm. yet. And to me, that's what we saw. And then obviously the skill, that pushed the skill that he has uh, to impact situations uh, at, a, at a much greater level. I love that. That's pretty amazing. Rasmus Dallin was another guy that seemed to to find his way. And, and, you know, he's, again, these guys come in with so much pressure. And so you don't, you know, it's... They're dealing. Everyone's dealing with different levels of expectations, and uh, you know, from the outside, it looked like he he seemed to to find another gear or click a little bit. What were you identifying in his game that you really wanted to focus on? Well, I, I just felt, you know, um, that it was time for him to breathe a little bit. Mm. You know, the pressure of our our lack of success and. And I also felt I could capitalize on uh, the situation I was in as a, as a head coach <clears throat> within that moment. Um, and, and obviously, I'm replacing um, Ralph Kruger. And what, what people is what is overlooked is, is a lot of times when you have a change like that, is all the good that's in place mm. uh, that I could then take advantage of as a coach. And, you know, we, we weren't winning and we had lost and our confidence was down. Our players were you know anxious and confused, but w- when, when Ralph was dismissed, he didn't leave behind. Um, he left behind an awful lot of good and, and a, an awful solid foundation that I could, that I could use and the players could use, we could use to, to take the next step forward. Um, so, you know, when you, when I think of Darlene, I felt, you know, he's, He's committed. He was committed and he worked hard and he, he focused on, you know, some defensive uh, concepts and he was ready for the next thing. And so, you know, I use the term green light, um, you know, a lot of development or most of development is discretion. You know, when is the light green, mm. you know? Yeah. So you're, you're almost in a, you know, from using that as a, as an analogy, uh, it, it, it's really the yellow light that you're, that you're looking for That's right. it, it is, is, you know, it's just, it's going to turn red pretty quick. But is can you get through that intersection in a yellow right now and make this happen? Um, and that, that's a discretion. So a lot of the development is that discretion. Should I jump now? Can I think offense now or not? And I needed to allow him, uh, as as the re- as I did the rest of the players in our team, to 
uh, develop their discretion. Mm-hmm. You know, the better players have better discretion. And I just didn't feel we were going to get better. And we needed to get better as a team. And, and obviously, here's a super talent in Rasmus Dahlin. And I need him to be able to go on that ice and, and, and play with his own discretion. Because then we can work with him. If he was wrong and made the wrong decision, um, I told him, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be upset with you. I'm not going to be mad at you at all. I, I want you to work on your discretion uh, because your talent, um, you know, I don't have your talent. I can't talk about you, what, what to do when, you know, at some point I can tell you what our system is and give you a foundation and run you through practice drills and all that. But the at the end of the day, you know, the speed of the players and talent of the players you're playing against in the situation itself, you're going to have to make a read and react decision as all our guys are. So I really wanted to allow our players that opportunity to grow and develop uh, and then to gain confidence. And, and he was, he kind of epitomized the, the whole group mm. uh, and our team uh, in that respect. Don, we, we've talked for whatever, 10 or 15 minutes about you as a, you as a de- developmental coach. I mean, that's the, that's the rep you have for, for good reason, but does that, you're also trying to get, you're also trying to get a job. You're, you're trying to get a head job now. Is that, do you ever have the impulse to say like, yes, I'm great at, I'm, I'm good at develop at, at developing guys, but I'm also, but I'm also out to win hockey games. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the right guy for that, for, for that too. How do, how do you balance that, that, that rep you have, that resume you have with, you know, kind of the other necessary elements to, to being a successful head coach? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, I, I don't feel like I'm trying to get a job by any means, Mm-hmm. Um, I think that takes you out of the moment and your ability mm-hmm. to read and react and see situations. Um, but I, I've, I've tried to make it abundantly clear um, that it's all about winning. You know, everything mm-hmm. that I just mentioned is, is to get to the end result of winning. Um, the situation, again, I speak of the situation I was in, and there were lots of good parts. Like I said, you know, Ralph left behind a real solid foundation to keep, you know, to keep working on and from, uh, we were able to do that. So we were able to build from, from, you know, a foundation that was there that was hard to see prior to, um, you know, and, and that was a key, uh, you know, to moving these, these guys and things forward. Uh, I lost my, I lost my train of thought a little bit here, but, um, um, so, so again, I, you know, winning is the goal is the objective, but I did feel we needed to get, better. Um, it was clear we weren't good enough. We could chase a win. We could start chasing analytics and, oh my God, we're terrible in this analytics. So let's go work on that. Um, we just needed to get better. We needed all our players to focus on improving, which is not a common thing in the NHL and not a common thing in the middle of the season in the NHL, but our players bought into it and they actually, you know, all improved incrementally, which when you, when you do that with 20 guys, you're moving your, your whole team up quite a bit. Uh, the ex- execution level goes up quite a bit. So, you know, that, that was our focus with the objective of winning. Um, that was why we were doing that. It was, it was, I don't, I don't just want to win one game and be back right, right back where we're at and, and, and sweat this out again the next day. Um, I'll sacrifice a few losses or to, to get over the hump, you know, and if you think about it, I always think about it this way, you know, you jump in a, in a pool and the water's, you know, five feet high. Well, if you're four foot 10, you're going to be jumping up and down just to breathe, you know, but if you, if you grow uh, to five foot two, you're going to be above the water. No problem. 
you know, six foot, it's going to be easy for you. And, and that's kind of how you got to look at your team. You know, as you get better and, and it's all relative to your competition, everything you do becomes easier. All those analytics that you might chase, all of a sudden they clean up and you're, you're good in multiple categories. But if you start chasing one category and you set at the sacrifice of development, you're probably going to stay below the water and be treading it uh, just to survive. When, when you have an extended period like this as an interim and then you go into a, an off season, I guess, or I'm sure there was some sort of interview process with Kevin Adams. What is, what did that look like? I mean, can you just be like, Hey, I think you just, you've been watching this for, for how many games, you know what I mean? What was, what were those conversations like postseason? We haven't had a lot of conversation postseason. Uh, Kevin, when uh, I did, when I took the job and I've mentioned this publicly already, you yeah. know, he had a plan uh, to, to interview and, uh, take some time at the end of the year to take the whole year in. Okay. Uh, and it's been a, you know, it's been a whirlwind year for every GM coach and franchise and player, uh, you know, under the circumstances that were this year. Uh, so no different here. Um, just probably add on a little bit more than the average, I guess. Uh, so, you know, while he's taking his time, um, to, to kind of breathe and reflect on the season, um, we, I have not talk, spoken with him in the last few days, um, probably probably three, four days ago. But, you know, again, good, simple, easy conversation because this is a process he mentioned to me before. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to question that process. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity I just had um, and even more grateful for all the experience I had, you know, to prepare for this opportunity, the decades of work as a coach and um, I felt very comfortable in this opportunity as I do moving forward with whatever happens. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been more reassured now after going through this process in the last couple of months that, you know, the work I put on, put, put in, uh, you know, got me to that position, but I was able to, to do a decent job in it. So um, whatever, whatever the future holds, I'm, I'm open to it. Uh, I'm excited about it. And, you know, right now is the time to just kind of wait a little bit and until we can all sort it out and, when the time's right to move forward, we will either way. Hmm. How much time over the past couple months have you spent wishing that you actually got a chance to coach up Jack Eichel? Because hmm. he, he was he was out of the lineup by the time by the time you took over. Well, anytime you have a talent like that, you 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 are uh, very intrigued as a coach, very excited as a coach. Um, you know, when you're in the moment of the season, and you know this season we didn't have Jack Eichel. We didn't have Linus Elmark for stretch. You, you just can't, you just have to block it out as a coach. Right, you right. can't, you can't go there in your mind. Um, you have to get excited about, you know, the guys right in front of you. And there was plenty for me to get excited about the guys in front of me. They, you know, they were, they were amazing as far as their uh, commitment, uh, certainly their potential and on many nights, just their, their actual performance was, was exciting. Uh, and they responded when we didn't have good games, you know, they made adjustments. They made adjustments in between periods that are exciting as a coach. When you can come in and lock them in between a period, give your guys two or three adjustments and they can go out there and execute it, you know your team is capable and on its way to becoming more capable. Uh, and we did that a lot. You know, the, the nice thing for me, you're always looking for barometers of how to measure progress and where you're at as a team. You know, in the divisional lineup, the way it was, or schedule, you played back-to-back -back quite a bit. So, mm -hmm. you know, we were able to present and on the coaching side, adjustments to our players uh, after, you know, game one of a two-game series. And it was remarkable, the ability they had to make those adjustments and then find success with it in, in the second game. 
Hmm. Um, and which is a real good indicator of their capacity, their, their immediate skill level and their capacity to internalize and execute uh, at a rep. And that's what you have in a playoff series. A team that can uh, adjust quickest usually ends up on top uh, in the series. I had somebody say we were talking about Buffalo and, and the job he did, and we, you know, it was it was positive conversation. But it was another coach. But he said, you know, it's you really almost can't assess Don Granado as the head coach of the Sabers without having him coach Jack Eichel. Like he's such a big part of the equation. Now I know that's out of your control. You, you, that was not part of the. But do you, like, what would be your response to that? Like, it's it's an incomplete assessment without having the face of the franchise as part of it, right? I, I think yeah, that's some of you know that's. Interesting. My, my response to that is, is I mean, it's a fair comment. Yeah. Um, we, we all deal with, uh, you know, situations like that hypothetical, right. um, you know, does, uh, do they have this, do they have it? Does, does, does coach have this experience? Does he not? I mean, those questions are fine and they're, they're legitimate. Um, we do it with the players coming in the league, you know, yeah. is, is this guy ready? Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't have any argument and wouldn't get into an argument back of that. I, I'm, with you um we we haven't had jack i'm confident that you know i could um you know help jack play to his maximum but the fact is i haven't i haven't coached him at this level i had him at you know a different level and i know him well and um but i certainly believe in my ability to do it but yeah uh, as far as answering back to that there's no answer to i'm it. just trying to pick a fight now with, with you yeah, and you are you're trying to pick coach. a fight. i'm not <laughs> you're, you're, just you know that's me. not true you are baiting me Craig, uh, but, uh, no. that's okay i thought it was like yeah, i, I you, thought hey, it was I an interesting with, you know i really thought it was i, I it hadn't occurred like because because you had coach jack right like you it's not like this is somebody you're unfamiliar with right and um, you 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 know him and the complexities that kind of go along with Jack. So I just thought it was an interesting thing. I, I don't feel. Yeah, like that. everybody you know thinks about the. You mentioned complexities of Jack or complexities yeah. of somebody. I can assure you, and I and I use probably that same words so that I can assure you uh, during our exit interviews that these guys just want to play hockey. Like they are a completely different. They're a kid on the pond when they can when you can you can get them you can get them into an environment where they're the happiest they can be in their life, just putting the skates on and playing. And, and, and there's ways to make that fun and to help that along. Uh, and for me, that's always been a big part of, our, of my coaching. The confusing part in that is, is people just assume you're not demanding. Uh, well, that is that's right, certainly right. not the case. I mean, we're, this is a highly competitive environment. I love competition. You know, I grew up with five other siblings, and we beat the hell out of each other. Yeah. Uh, and it was fun. You know, when I finished playing, I missed being sore. I literally missed being sore. Um, mm. And waking up the next morning, you know, having a tough time to get out of bed, you felt like you did something, you know. Um, so, you know, by no means, uh, does the, you know, should it be misunderstood that when I say fun, uh, you, you lose the competitive fight and desire to win. And, um, you know, I, I know Jack and I, I know he has that appetite. Um, you know, the circumstances are, are are such that he's been in, in an environment uh, here for years that they haven't had success and that can wear on um, mm. um, as it would anyone else, any one of us. Yeah. But I, he puts those skates on. He's, he's going to have a blast. It's, do you, so we, sure. I, I, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. Do you think we're over, like when we, people try to overanalyze Jack or we say he's a complex guy or whatever, do you think there's uh, over analysis there where it's like, just put this guy in a positive environment and he's going to thrive? 
Well, I, I will say this: it's not a good story if you don't overanalyze. Yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, it would just I made be a boring, career. Of right? it. I mean, just be boring. You know, <laughs> that's, it's, that's our job. It's, it's, it is, it's, <laughs> and it's appropriate. It's it's why is it not appropriate when people are talking about our sport and hockey yeah. and sabers? That's good. Yeah, that's great. You know, there's there's passion there, uh, and these are all unknowns as well. And 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 I and I love the fact of that walking into to the unknowns. Like we, we've said, you know, how how will Jack be or would Jack be? you know, with myself as a coach, it's, it's unknown. I thrive on that. I think that's exciting, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, if we don't have drama, what are we, what are you going to report now on the coaching side? I I will tell you as an objective, and I told it to our players when I, the very first uh, meeting I had with our players, when I took the the job was stop with the drama, Mm. enough of the drama. Uh, And the drama is for everybody else outside this room, and it's appropriate. That's why we flip on the TV. But we don't flip on the TV. We go out on the ice and play. So we don't need drama. And when you walk in the building, they're, they're, I won't tolerate drama. We're, we're, we have to have a business approach, and we will. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of drama, which is very natural off the ice. You know, we want to bring in the last eight years of drama. And, and I had a conversation with uh, – one of the guys, and, and I talked about, you know, my experience in Chicago uh, for two years with Joel, and they just won three cups. And I never saw anybody wear a Stanley Cup ring, and they just won three cups. I never heard anybody talk about the Stanley Cup championship and the runs they were on and the parades they had. They were just focused on the next game and winning the next game. So there, in two years, I was there. Nobody, there was no sign that they had won three cups. Nobody was talking about but I come into Buffalo and everybody wants to talk about losing for the last eight or nine years every day. They want to drag it back in. As soon as the post-game interview comes, they want to drag it back in. It doesn't make any sense. There I am in Chicago and it's never dragged into an interview and dragged around the, you know, to, to bring you down or bring you up and inflate you falsely. Uh, but yet here, you know, that's been, you know, more common than not to, to allow this to drag you down to bring it in as a weight. And, uh, you know, I think our, our guys have done a real good job. Uh, but I do, I do believe you see that when they go to the podium and they, they're interviewed, you know, yeah. that's a tough spot for the, your older players to go in because, you know, the, the questions are the questions. Um, and they circuit, they, they surround what I just mentioned. Um, uh, but you have to let the pass go. Well, I mean, it's a tough spot for you too, though, because you're you're coming in as a coach into the situation where it's eight years of baggage or, or ten years of baggage. I mean, that's something that's something for for you to consider on some level, isn't it? When when, when you when you think about the hit the, about the last decade for for that team and just the overall vibe of the fan base and what's going on with with, with the city. I mean, like how how do you balance that? baggage with the job that you yourself have have at hand not just the guys at the the podium but knowing that this is a tough complex situation well you have to understand the complexities of it and the effects of it so there's clearly effects i just mentioned it when they walk in front of a podium you can see the the body language and then i see in the locker room it's totally different so uh, but but that doesn't mean they're confident yet or comfortable yet you know walking back out uh, you know um, and, and you know i guess it you know when you, when you mentioned this, Sean, uh, failure to many is, is a fuel. And then failure to others, it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. You know, here we go again. 
here we go again. And, and what I've, you know, uh, witnessed, it's too often been a self-fulfilling prophecy. And here we go again. And if you watch, like, say, we talk about Casey Middlestead, his, his failure, there's no fear. It's fuel. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. his belief is still strong, you know, and, um, I do, I do. F- I mean, I, I mentioned Casey and even some of the younger guys, they haven't been here. So they're not going to have that reference, you know, when there's a mistake made, it's not here. We go again, you know, for a guy that was, had been through some of this more, the chances are that they could feel that immediately. So, you know, that was a big part of what I wanted to, you know, create a, a different environment, a different outlook. Um, but again, you have to respect, I don't say this with any disrespect sure. for the, you know, agony and pain and, and, um, you know, because, you know, um, a lot of guys battled a hard and a long time through the last, and they just four or five, whatever years, and they just haven't been rewarded for it. But that doesn't mean they're not closer to getting, you know, as I said, that water level, you know, yeah. their head of their head above water. You don't know how close you are to getting your head above water until you actually get above it. So, you know, um, and it's, it's, that's the situation I believe that those, mm-hmm. you know, that some guys would be in, would be in naturally. Uh, but there are things you can do and we have done and we will continue to do to, to get them to let go of the past, just as a Stanley cup champion has to let go of the past. Um, you know, it's, and it's, it has a lot to do with, um, you can be happy in our business. It's hard to show it because people will misinterpret it, mm. but you can never be content. So a lot of people just act miserable. So there's, <laughs> they don't give off the perception that they're actually happy because people will think, Oh, if they're happy, you're content. Mm. Well, no, it's two totally different things. I'm completely not content, but I'm also comfortable enough to tell you, yeah, I'm happy about life and about things and about the opportunity. But no, I'm not content. You want me to just act mad? It's like, it's like watching a coach throw a water bottle and throw a stick. I could go behind the bench and throw water bottles, and throw sticks, and yell at referees, and everybody think, "Oh my God, is that guy intense?" Was well, that really intensity? No, that's throwing water bottles and sticks. You know, was there so, was there a point in your career that you realized you had to tamp down the happiness factor? Because you did say that that was that that was something you have to hide. Were you yeah. were, were were you 19 and being like, ah, I'm smiling a little a little bit too much? Out well, here. it's it's and the. Unfortunately, in the business we're in, in any you know competitive business, you, that can be misinterpreted. Yeah, for sure. And again, that's what you see. So the player's in a tough spot there. You know, the player has to show that he's grumpy, so people realize he's not content. And then you do that over and over, and year in and year out, and interview in and interview out. And sometimes you lose yourself, and you lose the feel and the perspective on things, and and it can it, it'll bleed into your game. So you know, it's just the psychology of it. That, it's, uh, it's really important. And, you know, again, it's, um, you know, you, you can, I mean, you don't have to be giggly to be happy. Um, so th- that's the other component, you know, we don't have to walk in with balloons and, and streamers, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's a respect for, um, you know, a respect for, for everybody that's passionate about the organization you work for. Um, you know, you, again, it's, it's respect for them. You don't want to show that you're, you know, you're happy about anything. Um, but, but really it's content, you know, you, you're, you're going to go to work, you're going to go home that night and you are not going to sleep because you got to fix this. Thing. And, and you're going to come to work early and commit because this has to be fixed because, you know, 
um, you, you feel that obligation and that uh, responsibility with the position you hold. And, and, and that's, that's always easy to do. It's always been easy for me to do as a, as a coach uh, to really feel that sense of responsibility to the organization and fan base. Um, I feel like we've already blown past the, how much we asked you to be, <laughs> be on this show, how long we, we were going to have you. But I, I, before we wrap up, I do want to ask you about Austin Matthews. And I love my favorite conversations, especially back in the day. I think one of my first conversations with you was about Austin, this kid coming into the program and, and just blowing everybody away. Do you have a go-to Austin Matthews story that just captures the kind of kid he was or the talent level he, he was? Because well, even what he's done done this year and getting better is un- it just shows that that drive that that to succeed and get better is is unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and you know, there were a lot of people that asked me if the Toronto market you know was too much for mm. Austin, and, and and I can remember very simple. I said absolutely not. You know, it, it he he the, the Toronto market's a, a, a challenging market and high demand market, but he can go on the ice and impose his will on the opposition. And he could do that immediately upon entry in the NHL. So if he couldn't do that, and then you come off and you haven't scored a goal in three games and you're under the scrutiny and pressure of that marketplace, you could lose your confidence. But if he didn't score a goal in multiple, multiple games, he, he, he would never fear that, Oh my God, I'm not going to score again. He knows that he can impose his will on his opponents. And he knew that as soon as he entered the league. Like I, that, that's, and he might not have known it, but he figured it out right away. I, I, I should say I knew that that would be the case for him because, you know, he, he's, I watched it every day for two years. You know, the, the, the talent that he has and the, the natural ability he has as an athlete and a hockey player all in one um, was, you know, amazing to watch. And one I remember tapping our assistant coach or one of, one of my assistants on the shoulder in the middle of the game. Uh, at some point in the first year, we had him. And every time Austin would touch the puck, the entire bench, unbeknownst to themselves, all the players on the bench, would nudge to the edge of their seat and lean over the boards to watch once he touched the puck. And then when he'd give up the puck, make a pass, they'd sit back. <laughs> and he'd pick the puck up again and they'd lean forward. And it was the whole group. And so I would tap my assistant. We got a laugh out of it because we'd watch that all, all, all the time. Oh. And, and that's when you know, you know, those are the, some of the subtleties and signals that you, you know, this is a, a, you know, a generational talent uh, is the term that everybody likes to use. He is an absolute generational talent. So. He is that. He is that. We were debating, how, long, how much did you have Adam Fox? He's been such a... I did not have Adam. Okay. Adam was there. So, All right. so Danton Cole did an incredible job, and in, in, uh, John Gruden is uh, is coaching in uh, with the Islanders. He was there. They, those two guys had okay. him. I wasn't sure if you. Uh, had him. Yeah, and, and and he was he was spectacular. Um, you know, Adam had that confidence and swagger as a young kid that didn't exceed his ability. Sometimes those kids have <laughs> have a swagger that exceeds their ability, and that gets them in trouble. It I know gets people him like in that. trouble upon entry Scott, in the NHL. It can get him in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, but that was one thing that, uh, you know, upon observation, you know, you're at the national team program and there's two birth years at the same time. Um, you know, a U17, a U18. Adam was on the even birth years. I was coaching the odd birth years. And you get to watch those kids. You see them every day. You see them yeah. in the hallways and the locker rooms. And, um, 
you know, they're integrated pretty good. So you get to enjoy those kids in their development as well. You just don't coach the other birth year. And uh, uh, he was one that was fun to watch. Awesome. Well, Donnie, thanks for doing this. This is a lot of this yeah. is a blast. This is great. You're welcome. And um, yeah. best of luck in the process. I know, I know kind of the uncertainty having been is, is, is not easy. And, and so I, you know, I hope you're able to manage it, enjoy it and get through it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yes. You, thanks, you coached me up to go. Cl- yeah. You, you coached me to go clean up my bedroom. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to get that done. Now. Thank you. Hey, but don't, don't leave your comp too far out of your comfort zone, Sean. You got to go to sleep tonight. You got to, you got to. I'm telling you, I, I was, I was taking notes the entire time. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ready. Oh Just right goodness. on the cusp of your comfort zone. Not too much further. Cause you're going to be, it, it might revert right back to it. You might be frustrated. So that's right. You got to be who you are, Sean. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Send us a picture, please. Thanks to Don Granado for joining the podcast. That that was fun. Sean, I I just like how immediately I feel like you guys are best friends now. So that's if if nothing else came out of that interview. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it leads to great things in Don Granado's career. But at the very (laughs) least, you've made a friend. Maybe if he gets one of these head jobs, he can. uh... He can, he can bring me on as, you know, I don't know, assistant to the video assistant. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Just one of, those, control one, of those, one of those fake jobs. He'll do us both a favor. You won't have to deal, you won't have to deal with me anymore. I don't have to humiliate myself by having an, an, an unmade bed on screen with, a, with an NHL coach. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I know it feels like everything always goes back to the Toronto Maple Leafs just in general, but man, my big takeaway from the last couple of days, top five playoff moment, Austin Matthews grinning like a psychopath <laughs> again, 
Well, he's getting absolutely manhandled by by Shea Weber. This is, you know, you see stuff and you say that's going to end up on the Stanley Cup final montage, whether it's on mm. Sportsnet or whether or, or whether it's stuff we see, whether it's stuff we see on NBC Sports. That's going to stick around a while. Austin Matthews for the second time in that series getting absolutely punished behind the net by the Montreal Canadiens and in, in, uh, in, in grinning like Jack Nicholson or, or whatever it is. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Austin Matthews remembering periodically that he's an absolute tank and seeing, mm-hmm. seeing him lay the body and all that, all the, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that during a break in Penn's Islanders last night and it, it made, it made my night. So I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a little bit more of that. Yeah, it's great. It reminds me of like, um, I, it, this is a, you know, I'm sure Don Granado can, can, uh, relate to this. I grew up at my friend's backyard my whole life. There's five boys and it was the, the littlest brothers or the two littlest brothers. If you picked on them, that was their response. Like they would get beat up and thrown around and they just grinned and laughed. And you're like, oh, these, there's something, there's a screw loose almost. And <laughs> like, it's, it's more intimidating than you throwing your body around. Like if you get manhandled and then you laugh, like that's, that that's a glimpse into Austin Matthews' psyche. Yeah, and it, it it also helps when the guy when the guy laughing is you know six three and yeah and, he's a big and, boy two twenty five and oh by the way the best the best goal scorer on on earth so yeah man he's uh I don't I I don't want to that's that series is still close they dropped that first game but man that's a that's a that's complete package stuff from from Matthews that's so far so good. So good. Uh, I, I, I would love a long Austin Matthews run just to have Absolutely. those, like he's so much fun. It, 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 like if we can't have Connor McDavid, give us Austin Matthews for a while. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would be fantastic. I just want to say one thing before we wrap up, Sean, since we last recorded the Detroit Red Wings signed Jeff Blaschel to an extension. And I know there was a lot of hand wringing from Red Wings fans. I'm in Detroit, so maybe I'm just hearing it close. And people outside the hockey world or, you know, outside of Detroit, probably this news wasn't making huge waves. Um, this, I wanted to take 30 seconds in defense of Jeff Blashill because I get, I get the notion if you're a Red Wings fan and you say, this guy's like the third longest tenured coach or whatever it is. He's been doing it a while. They're not good. His record isn't particularly good. Um, but, you know, what are you bringing him back for? I think the job that he's done under these circumstances is almost impossible. And here, here's what I'm asking my coach in this scenario. Are the young players getting better? Mm-hmm. And are they competing every night? Like, are these games not blowouts? And there was a, there was a moment where they – it was last year where they started getting blown out. And you're like, this is not a great environment for the young players. It was a they're, – they're competing. And the young players are getting better. And they're developing not just the high-end guys – they're developing the, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi's and the Heronics and all these guys. Like, they're the young players are getting better and they're going to bring some more in next year with Mort Sider. They, they've created an environment in a losing um, scenario where the players compete. I think that I think that's pretty remarkable. And I, I know Red Wings fans probably don't want to hear this, but I, I liked it. And um, the one thing, it's Steve Eisenman making calling the shots there. And I Steve still has so much credibility with Red Wings fans. I, th- I saw a lot of like... Don't like it, but I guess Steve Eisenman knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, and and I think in this, you have to like Steve Eisenman is uh, almost ruthless, and his ruthless is not the right word. He, he but he is in his decision making. You know what I mean? Oh, like totally. he's he's gonna the, like he's gonna make the right call here from what he sees, and 
Um, that team, that team was, that roster was not good, and that team battled and won probably more games than they should have. Um, and I thought, I thought Blashill deserved it. So that's, they were only they're only six. They had the six least points in the league. I mean, that's 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 crazy. I know there. I know. Was a, I know there's a lot of bad. Yes. There's there's a lot of bad teams out there, but sheesh. Yes, that was a that was a bottom. Bear, but you know that roster should have finished last. Mm-hmm. So I, I, to me, if you're assessing coaches, how much better do they do than what you're handing them? And whether that's if you're giving them a borderline playoff team and they win the division, or if you give them a last place team and they finish sixth last, like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I, like I'm, that's I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And I, I think I think it makes sense because you're gonna he he might be a bridge coach anyway. You're ta- you're you're talking about three. Right. You're talking about three or four three or four years in, until they're until they're. Le- legitimately there again so yeah why why not he's he's got he's gotten them this far i feel bad if they like the you know two years from now then then they cut bait and then they're good again and then some guy comes in and and poor jeff blashill has to go kind of feels like that's where we're headed huh we'll see <laughs> all right uh before we wrap up i just wanted to plug cam neely joined scott burnside and fierre's two-man advantage edition of the athletic hockey show give that a listen make sure you're listening to ian mendez sean mcindu on the athletic hockey shows on thursdays and haley on mondays i love what we're doing here with this with this podcast i'm glad everybody seems to be enjoying it it's so much fun if you're not subscribing uh make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to The Athletic. And also, we like feedback. I love checking out the comments on The Athletic app. So go, and and if you have thoughts on our show, maybe even some guest suggestions, as long as they're American yep. for the, th- the Tuesday show, of course, um, drop them in there. We've, we've had to say no to, to, some, to some potential can- Canadian guests. <laughs> they can go on uh, Scott and Pierre's show anytime, I'm sure. So check out... Make sure you can check out the comment section on the app. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, of course, I know you are. But if you're not, go to theathletic.com slash hockey show and you can get a subscription for just $3.99 per month. Ah, Sean, that was fun. I want to thank Don Granado Absolutely. for joining the podcast again. That was great. And Sean, thank you for your time. And thank you for cleaning your room. Yeah. Time. And again, and again, Don, if, if you're filling out a staff, you have my contact information. I'm, I'm ready to ready, <laughs> ready to take whatever job you're willing to offer me. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.